labelling the good things around Australia. Our experts analyse the weekend's major meetings. Get set on Radio Tab. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what David Gately's going to go for in the Cox Plate. Don't forget it's Gawler it Cup Day this afternoon, as, this afternoon as well. Massive for the club. And Tim Edwards, he's going with Montine to beat Thirsty Guest, Adelaide Ace and Chicago Storm. So 2743, Montine on top from Tim Edwards calling that feature Gawler program in South Australia. David Gately, good morning. Thanks, Steve. Yes, the big one, the Cox Plate, one of the uh, best two minutes in sport, as they say. And we need the quaddy. So, firstly, race seven, the Vars. Um, I think Verdad's the one to beat. Obviously, split the Guineas winner, Griffin, Autumn Angel. Um, before running quite well himself in that Caulfield Guineas. Just back a notch. Have to think the trip will be okay. Um, Aerosalt looks a danger. Probably goes forward. Uh, if there's any on-pace pattern, it's, it's an advantage. Side quaddy-wise, three twos to the first league. Well, the Manicato, uh, it's impossible to tip against Imperatrice, isn't it? Um, two wins, two track records. She's probably even better at 1,200 than she is at 1,000. I just think if she has an off day, Bonus Notches is a danger. I uh, gave him a live hope in Everest, but things didn't pan out well. So um, he's probably the only insurance I need. Six and two in the second league. Cox Plate, the big one. I've uh, got Romantic Warrior on top. I just think his best wins the race. Um, is he at his best? Well, we'll soon know. He wasn't first up, but he wasn't beaten far, faster on race. All reports are he's been flying since then. So um, his form is world class. Obviously, Dubiano is easy to tie in with Animo, given what that horse did to Animo uh, in the autumn. Uh, I think Fangirl's a danger. Uh, I'm not... I'm not um, Worried overly about the 2000. It's an unknown, but gee, I loved her strength at the end of the mile last time. Looking at her dry trade record, she probably should be seven or eight out of ten with even luck. So I think she's a, she's elite. And they did have the same reservations on Winks at 2000 metres before her first Cox Plate. Well, I'm not saying she's Winks, but I'm I'm saying that uh, she's in the game. Gold Trip Victoria Road, then must I think, and I think those four do me. One eight five ten, the big one. Coming home in last, here's a good roughie, six loose on gin. It was an impressive maiden winner. The form through the first prep, easy to like, around the likes of Centrefire, who's, who's uh, been crossing on the Stepardi. Beat home Hedged, who was a brilliant winner since. And look, uh, no moral, but he's big odds. Uh, Mahaba's going really well. Obviously, beat Brave Mead last time. Archo Nacho can improve. And Snippity Legend and Barber, they're all in the quaddy home for us. So, we're six two, three, five, and one in the quad. Our best, going to stick with race three, number three, Wish the Lad. Good, strong win at the mile last time. I wish you can win again. A value. Um, race 10, number six, Luzon Jin. Best in Sydney. I'm going to stick with him. Race seven, number two, Tom Kitten. It's been the best run in the race his last two. And time to cash in, hopefully. So seven by two, Tom Kitten, our best in Sydney. Thanks, mate. Thanks, David. David Gately. So best in Melbourne, Cox Plate, Day Wishlaw, Lass, race three, two at the Valley. And we have to wait for the value, race 10-6, loose on gin. So three, two, 10-6, the value. Ramwick, Tom Kitten, race seven, two. Here's quadrilla numbers for Cox Plate, Day, race seven, the first leg, just three and two. Three, two, race eight, six and two, race nine, one, eight, five and ten. And in the last, numbers six, two, three, five and one. So just going over those again. First leg, three, two, 
then 6-2-1-8-5-10, and then 6-2-3-5-1. Michael Maxworthy's with me. Now, your specials for the Brisbane program. Where do we start, Mike? Steve, I'm having a two-leg win multi race for number four, Rising Pacific at Doombin, and then 9-11, Eagles Crag. Rising Pacific and ex-Kiwi, um, been going great guns for Tony Gollan. Every time he's stepped out, he's improved. So I don't think he stopped improving as yet. He blitzed them a fortnight ago in a slightly easier race. And I can see one, two, three, four horses going forward here, ensuring that the gallop's going to be okay for a horse sitting back. Hopefully he can tuck in behind. And if he does what he did last start, he's hard to beat. 4-4, four, four, Rising Pacific. And then uh, race number nine... Eagles Crag, Nicole mentioned him a little earlier. There's been a solid support for him. He's only had the one start since coming up from the south to O'Day Hoisted. Very good. Really making Cotty work. And then there was a little bit of a gap back to third and fourth. He actually drops four kilos on that to 55 and only gate one uh, inside gate barrier one tomorrow. So I think he'll win again. 9-11 Eagles Crag. And won him a last race. I'm just waiting for some support to come, but haven't seen it as yet. For number three as a reach, trained by Dan Bagore at the Gold Coast. Won seven races, this fellow, and I really liked his toughness at the end of last preparation where he was on pace and horses were attacking him left, right and centre, yet he was still able to give a pretty good kick. I think nice and fresh. Barrier one over the 1,200 metres. He probably leads. I was just hoping that Bo Rumble didn't go with him early. If he does, then it's going to set it up for something back in the field. But I felt from gate one, if he bounced to the lead and could control the tempo, he can give us a great sight at about $18. So 4-4 Rising Pacific, 9-11 Eagles Crag. They're two good things. And then each way at the $18, 10-3 as a reach in the last. Of course, Eagles Crag now in Queensland. But I, I followed him a bit in Victoria, Michael, yep. and he had a bit of a reputation of looming in races out, you know, giving up, and not giving up, but um, not being able to put races away, if I can mm. be kind way to putting it. Yep. So I'll be interested to see what he does. Obviously, he won't go backwards under the training of Steve and, and yeah. Matthew, but in Victoria, I'd see him bloom in races and turn it up, not turn it up, but not go on with the job. Yeah, well, I um, haven't done all of his replays, but um, that's worth keeping in the back of your mind. I thought he was, was good the other day. He had 59 and... Um, he, he lunged at Cotty late, just missed out, and then she won again last Saturday very impressively. I wouldn't be surprised if she, you know, races competitively, maybe in a mere stakes race during mm. the summer carnival, Cotty. I think she's going really well. Mm. That form line's pretty good for yeah. Eagles Crag. Just on Romantic Warrior, lot's been talked about, and we spoke about his form and the win that, you know, of course, stands out for me was when he beat Prognosis brilliantly that day, and that horse has confirmed the form, the Japanese horse, and and, and uh, Jabai Honor was coming off the group ones in mm. Sydney, ran third, and last start he seemed to go a bit keen. He had the right run. I mean, how do we assess him, Michael? You know, a horse that has this massive reputation coming off a last start defeat. Uh, the story with the, the feed issue was well leading into that, and the trainer wasn't 100% happy. So what do we do? It's a bit tricky for us to try and assess him. Well, I, I, I think um, if you're on him in the Turnbull, you've got to stick with him. I really liked him. Um, he actually is the highest rated horse in the race, even yeah. under our handicap system. Well, under that set weights and penalties in the Turnbull, he actually had to give weight away to everything mm. else. And he didn't have much left the last 100 metres. And uh, look, it's tough enough to win first up over 2,000 metres after four months. 
let alone going to another country at the elite group one level um and he just fell a little bit short you could see he was over racing he'd drawn awkwardly he had a reasonably nice position right throughout the race but he was keen yeah. he was and on you hate the, seeing that he was on the bit yeah and he was felt wanting late now he's had three weeks uh, to really settle in since that at the quarantine center there um, so I don't think there'll be any excuses for him. Apparently he's worked really well at Mooney Valley, and I like him at the distance. You've been talking during the week about the ifs and buts of a lot of his main opposition. Can they run the trip? I think his sweet spot is between 2,000 and 2,200. Um, and, and he'll be handy. He'll get into a nice position in the first three or four. So we're going to know a lot more about him tomorrow, but I, I wouldn't be crucifying him on that run in maternity. Yeah, well, you day. mentioned even 2,400. He was only beaten narrowly by Golden 60, wasn't he, when he led that particular day? Yeah, yeah, Golden mm. 60 um, is a good measuring stick for this horse as so well. So will he end up going back and being prepared for the December meeting in, at Chartim? This horse? Yep. I'm sure he will. Yep. Um, you know, we, we often see Melbourne Cup horses on their way back to Europe. And they run well at the VAR sometimes. They've got a great record in it. So mm. I think that'll be the plan with this fellow. Um, Golden 60 should be ready to resume in about three weeks. He had a trial down the straight the other day. All right, so he's not going to run first up in that big day. Like Zach suggested that might be his retirement run. The last uh, he, Zach suggested he might go target the December race yep. and then go to retire. Oh, possibly. Possibly, yeah. but um, he's likely to be first up in the, the Jockey Club Mile. Okay. You know, those, those yep. races that lead up to the big December meeting. And that the first of those, the mile, I think, is coming up in about three weeks. But he's never, he's never an impressive trialer. Um, and down the straight the other day, he wasn't pushed at all. But just on race day, he just turns into this absolute monster mm. golden 60. So he's something to, to look forward to leading up to the big international meeting in Hong Kong in December. Yeah. And the Jockeys Championship, you've been talking about that. Hugh's having a fair income crack at it, isn't he? He is, and he's suspended at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think he's got two suspensions and he's not back until about the 11th of November. Yeah. So Zach hasn't ridden a winner, which is just unheard of, hasn't ridden a winner the past three meetings. That, that is totally unheard of. And I think that, it, that that's about 27 outs that he's had. Like, if somebody said that Zach's not going to ride a winner in 27, you'd just lock you up and throw yeah. away the key. So, But we all go through these yeah, patches, don't we? He's, he's riding fangirl tomorrow. I reckon he'll win. Well, I'm, I think she'll win. I, I yep. think she'll be highly competitive anyway. I'm coming out with her in the, the Cox yep. Plate for lots of reasons. She was arrogant last start. She was running away from Mr. Brightside. We know she'll probably miss the start a little bit. That would probably be an advantage. Zach will put her to sleep. And she's got this blinding turn of foot. And as Nathan mentioned yesterday, like you look at her granddam, Special Harmony, she went a couple of Oaks, including a VRC Oaks. And mm. I think Waller's just got fangirl and militarised prime to the minute for the Cox Plate. Do you think alligator blood takes it up? Yeah. I'm not, I don't think so, Mike. I think Zaki will come across with a romantic warrior. and I, I reckon they're crazy if they don't sit on him. Um, yeah. Because, Boxing. I mean, he won the other day, beat Val and Declare. Good. Yeah, he but that pace it. was frantic and he had, to he had to take the whole field up to yeah. deny knowledge. Yeah. I think it was a win. You're right. Um, he's got he's got some good options there from Barrier Five. Yeah, he's Tim just seat on the horse. Why he, not? If he just gives him a cheap time of it a bit early, yeah. he's going to be really strong at yeah. the end. Last year was heavy track, and he got annoyed a bit. So yeah. he's flying, absolutely flying. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Seven Group Ones. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks for your time, Michael Maxworthy, joining us from the Brackenridge Tavern. Uh, Ray Hickson. Good morning to you, Ray. Morning, Steve. I'm not at the Brackenridge Tavern. 
No, you're I not am. on that boat no. on the harbour either, are you? No, but uh, I am looking at I am looking at Darling Harbour, and it's, um, <laughs> it's a little bit. Well, it's been a little bit overcast here, and we had a bit of rain overnight, which is welcome. Um, take just take the edge off the track slightly, which I I, I think is a good thing. Um, I'm anticipating they probably edge off the fence a little bit in the home straight, which tends to happen when the rail goes back into the true and there's a little bit of rain leading into the meeting. But I think we're in for another good day. We are indeed, and it's great that the you know Richard, not um, Ken Callender, and also Max Presnell honoured with this particular. Absolutely. Yeah, just legends of the. That of course you would have worked with them alongside them in the pressure room for so long. Well, Ken obviously. Um, did a lot of work at the Daily Telegraph and, and, and was an editor of The Sportsman as well. And uh, Ken's a fantastic fellow. Got a lot of time for him. Max as well. I mean, I, obviously, Max um, has been with the Sydney Morning Herald and sort of what you'd call the opposition in those days, um, the Herald and the Telegraph. And Max is also a wonderful man. He's, uh, he still shows up in the media room. And, and um, look, it's, it's a great honour for both, both those guys uh, who have given so much to racing and what do they say? What they don't know about racing is probably not worth knowing. Yeah, exactly. And they're so different. Like, you know, Ken would be very opinionated and, you know, he had just an exp- a way he would express himself and Max was sort of, you know, both so knowledgeable, but Max was sort of more calming and, you know, the way he used to speak as well. But they're just uh, <laughs> well, great. I can, I can tell you, Steve, Max has got an opinion. Oh, has he? he okay. He's got an opinion. He'll let you know. Oh, really? Okay. Um, well, it's... He, he has not lost any of his... Uh, is bigger when it comes to opinions, I can tell you. Okay, well, let's uh, find a few winners for Ramwick. Where do we start? I'm going to pitch up for Fireburn, Steve. Race six, number nine in the Craven Plate. I know there's an eight eight zero against the name, but I actually think she's been going really well. Her two runs prior to the last start in the Hill Stakes were, were really good. She was getting back in impossible positions and running on. She did that in the Hill Stakes, and she went to make a run right down the middle of the track, which is just not the place to be that day. I know Gary Portelli's been keen to have her draw well and take up a position in a race, and she gets that prime chance this time around with barrier three and not a lot of speed engaged. So she's not in the 1-1 or third defence, so I'd be very disappointed because I think with the edge off the track now, um, it's not going to be you know heavy or it might, even, it might even go from a soft five to a good four. So with the edge off the track, I think that gives her an opportunity in a race that's really up for grabs. So I just want to pitch up for her race six, number nine. Six nine Fireburn. Then we'll go into the invitation, Steve. Race eight, number seven, Magic Time. Good field this is the invitation. There's you know seven horses rated above a hundred, uh, four Group One winners, but I think only one horse has been specifically set for this race, and that's Magic Time. I remember speaking to Graham Begg prior to the Niverson, and he said that she. He picked out that race to basically showcase her to get an invitation into this race. And she certainly did that. She won very impressively. I don't think 1,400 metres is an issue. Um, if the fence is slightly off, barrier 11 is certainly not going to be an issue for her. And she can take up a position either way. So I, I think she's a, a very good chance. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of support for her and she starts favourite race eight, number seven. Magic time. And what's the other one? We'll go to the last. Race 10, number 10, Fall for Cindy. John O'Shea trains this mare. She's uh, lightly raced and she's got some very appealing form lines this preparation. Uh, she ran, ran uh, sequestered to half a length first up from a spell and giving that mare a kilo and a half as well. Now, obviously, we've seen sequestered come out and win impressively on Everest Day and she's favourite to win again tomorrow. 
then Paul Patindi went to Warwick Farm in a midweek race, carried 60 and a half and won as she liked as an odds on favourite. Drops to 56 and a half. I don't think the class rise is any big issue. The, scratch, the scratchings, well, the scratching of sequestered obviously knocks that around a little bit. I think she's a, a very good chance. No real, you know, no real huge knock on the favourite Green Gods, but I feel like he's had his chance in a couple of runs up here in Sydney. And I think Fall for Cindy's a horse that's got a bit of timing about her on the way up. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a bit of a target for her uh, on a Saturday. So happy to back her in the last. Bill 3, uh, Ramwick, race 6, 9, Fireburn. Race 8, the invitation, Magic Time, the 7. And fall for Sydney, race 10, 10. And I'll chat to you bright and early tomorrow morning on Racing HQ Saturday. Will do, Steve. Thanks, mate. Ray Hickson, we're about to uh, chat to Ben Scadden to get his thoughts for the Morphville Parks program. In fact, he's with us now. How are you, Ben? Yeah, Steve, I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. Now, where do we start? Going to start off in the first race. I'm having another go at give some lip. Look, he won't be a fancy price. I'd say if you can get even money, that's about right. And I'd hope he wins and gives you a little bit of bank for the rest of the day. He um, is really good first up behind Lovely Looking. Um, you know, she's a she's a nice filly who raced below her best last time. Um, then he was... He was very solid when favourite behind Wiggum last time as well. They got home in in 32.89 that day and he was a little worse than midfield and, and had to make ground, which is obviously, you know, virtually impossible given those those splits. Um, look, he's racing well. He's a good quality horse. He's too good to be a maiden for any longer than this. I think tomorrow's his chance. If he doesn't win tomorrow, then I, I think I might step away and just let somebody else... Um, following for a little while, but I think tomorrow's his day. Give some lip, race one, six at Morfittville. Yep, then we're going to go down to race seven, um, wheels for Andrew Lewis. She's a, look, she's promising staying there. This, I mean, I shouldn't say promising, she's a seven-year-old, so she's, but she's only had the 19 starts. Um, look, she ended up progressing through to the Adelaide Cup last time and was always back in that race, struggling to make ground which is really good first up behind Thirsty Guest, um, which is back, and she made really good ground. 1,500 is a little bit shy of her her best trip. Out to a 19.50 here certainly suits her better. She's, um, yeah, I think she's, at this stage of her career, she's a 2,000-metre-ish plus horse. Um, barrier four, Jason Holder on board. Look, she'll, she'll be back, but I'm sure she'll be very, very strong late. She's never raced in the park track. I guess that's the one query over her. Um, but, yeah, I really liked her first up run behind Thirsty Guest. And I think, look, Thirsty Guest has, um, has got a very strong chance in today's Gawler Cup. I'm sure she raced in south-east Queensland at some stage. David Van Dyke's ringing bells yeah. with me. I'll have to check. Seven, yeah, seven she's definitely, she, she hasn't been with this stable the whole time, that's for sure. Mm. And what's the one in the last? Yeah, in the last race, the um, uh, it's actually the, uh, yeah, the second last race, race second eight. last, is it? Uh, yeah, the, uh, the top-weight Spanish heirloom. I think this mare will be... Bigger odds than she should be. She um, because she probably didn't race quite as as sharply as we would expect first up. But that was a strong race behind Taunting. She led. She loves to lead. That's what she does. Um, and she's kind of got a little bit tired late when fourth that day. But yeah, strong field that was Taunting Caracasu in that race. They got him thirty three flat. I think she'll certainly be significantly improved. That was her first run in more than nine months. So um, Travis Dowd was a, a very clever trainer. I would say that run would have tightened her up a lot. Doesn't seem to me to be a, a huge amount of apparent early speed in this race. So, even though she's drawn barrier nine, I think Alana Livesey has got a chance of angling her across, getting to the top, and then kind of 
rolling along at a tempo she's very comfortable with and if she can do that she can kick home very hard Spanish heirloom especially around the parks track so I think she run a, a very bold race and she's over the odds at this stage. So race eight one Spanish heirloom seven seven wheels and race one six gives some lip thanks Ben. Good on you, Steve. Thanks very much. Ben Scadden, let's talk Tasmanian racing. And joining us is Colin McNiff. How are you, Colin? Yeah, very well, thanks, Steve. I'm sure you've met Bruce McAvaney plenty of times. Uh, wasn't he just amazing? We had him on earlier just to how he's got this memory as, and, and the research and the he just leaves no stone unturned in, in analysis, um, you know, and, and assessing things when he's doing something. Bruce McAvaney, remarkable. He's quite... Yeah, he's quite brilliant. In fact, I've never met Bruce. It's uh, one of my ambitions to, uh, at some stage, uh, shake hands and, and say hello to Bruce. He's, uh, yeah. he's one of my idols. Oh, I think he's every, just about everybody that's involved in, in sport would, uh, would just rate him so, so highly. Where do we start with your specials for this meeting, Colin? Race two, number 10, Mahoko Takeo, one from the Trinder camp, Erica Byrne-Burke to ride barrier three. Really strong performance last time out when second, sat outside the favourite and ran it to a long neck. It was a really good run. I think with the draw tonight, race two, number 10, Mahoko Takeo gets us off on the right foot with a low race there. Across to race number five, and again, it's Trinder and Byrne-Burke with number six, Bao Bun. It's only had the one start for the stable. It did plenty of work in the early stages, and stuck on gamely to finish second, I think, with that run under its belt with a bit more time in the Trinder camp. I think it's ready to win here, race five, number six. And then Kudus Friedew was a, a tough performance last start. It won at Devonport two runs back. I'm talking about race eight, number one. Then ran third here in Launceston, where it was just blocked for a run pretty much all the way down the home straight. It got out with about 50 or 60 metres to go, really flashed, really hit the line well. So... I'm expecting with a bit more luck tonight it can find the winning post race eight number one. So I think they are the three good things tonight. Friday night uh, gallops racing coinciding with the Cox Plate Eve meeting. Should be a really good night. Looks like a pretty good day up north and uh, looking forward to getting there. Yeah, you make a very good point, Colin. Obviously, the turnover, the interest in this program, uh, even more so tonight with that feature meeting running alongside there. So mm. tonight at Launceston, 210-5681. Enjoy the weekend, Colin. You too. Thanks, Steve. Colin McNiff, uh, just back reiterating David Gately's specials for Mooney Valley, a Cox Plate Day. Race 3 2 Wishlaw Lass. His value was 10 6, loose on gins. So 3 2 10 6. At Randwick was Tom Kitten. Race 7, number 2. Michael Maxworthy for Brisbane Doombin. 4 4, Rising Pacific. 7, in fact, um, race 9, 11 Eagles Craig, isn't it? 9 11. And race 10, number 3, as a reach. So 4 4. Race 9-11, race 10-3. Randwick, Ray Hickson, 6-9. Fireburn, 8-7. Magic time. Race 10, number 10. Four for Cindy. And, of course, Ben Scadden was 1-6. Gives some lips. 7-7 seven, seven wheels, 8-1. And just reiterating Colin tonight, Launceston, 2-10. 5-6 and race 8, number 1.